But let's read the text together. Uh, verse 15, the word of God reads, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, uh, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us all throughout this wonderful book of Colossians. Thank you so much for sharing who Christ is so clearly, who we are and who you redeemed us to be so powerfully so that we can now live for you with all that we have. God, continue to speak to us. So not only so that we can live out the life that you gave us and you redeemed us for, but so that we could be the church that truly lives for you and you alone. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you've ever seen that movie Braveheart with, I'm sure, all of our favorite Australian actor, Mel Gibson. No, he's not. Anyway, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, then you've seen one great movie. Braveheart is just an amazing, awesome movie, especially for men, especially if you're a guy. Um, and you've also seen a movie with a lot of great movie lines. And the, probably the one that I remember the most because it impacted me so powerfully was when the main actor and the main character in the movie says this. He says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. And isn't that true? You know, I had only been a Christian for about five years. I was about to enter ministry when I saw this movie and it could not have been more well received by me when I, when I heard that and when I saw that. Because even as a 24 year old, I could tell already that there are so many people in this world who just kind of exist day to day being dictated, you know, by their environment instead of like really purposefully and intentionally living for what they truly believe in. And it's, it's, it's especially true, I think, sometimes, unfortunately, when it comes to our faith. There are so many people who are very content just to call themselves Christians. But how many of us truly live, like fully, for Jesus Christ? How many of us make that intentional move with our careers or with our relationships or with all of our goals to make it eternally work for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, as we finish off this book of Colossians, that's the challenge. After journeying through all of these amazing glory-filled teachings that Christ, you know, shares with us not only about himself, but our identity in him, the gospel itself, God now ends this letter with one clear command, which is to work fully now for Jesus Christ. You know, and these last verses of this book convey three ways on how we can do that or three instructions on how we can do that. And my hope through this last sermon, as well as through these last three points, is that it'll help you align yourself to the life that God wants you to live right now. Here's the first point. Fully commit yourself to the work of of Jesus Christ. Fully commit yourself to the work of Christ. Verse 15, 16 says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. You know, verse 15 
is a huge verse in my opinion. You know, Paul rarely sends greetings to individuals that he that he's never met before, but yet he does here. And what makes it even more incredible is that the person he's saying hello to is a woman. Now, you know, Nympha in all the books that I've read, she's either uh, a, just a single woman, unmarried, or she's a widow. But most of the theologians be truly believe that she was a widow. So I'm going to assume that as well. And what we do know of her is that she used all of her resources in her life, all the things that God gave her to support this church in Laodicea. They even met in her house. Now, the thing is, you know, whenever we think of church planting in the Bible and we, you know, we always think of Paul and for some reason, we always think that Paul's the one that planted all of these churches all by himself. But you know, my wife and I, we actually planted a church many years ago. And if there's anything that we've learned very powerfully from that one church plant experience, it's that you need a team. And the thing is, you know, you just don't need any team, you know, uh, to plant a church. You need like a top skill crack team, you know, I mean, I mean, these people have to be fully committed. They need to be fully, they need to fully believe in the mission of this church so much that they're actually willing to give themselves fully, to give their resources fully to making sure, you know, to building this church from scratch. And that takes a huge, huge commitment. You know, Nympha most likely was a woman who was converted early in the ministry of Epaphras. Epaphras was the one that planted the churches in Colossae and Laodicea. And she must have fallen so deeply in love with Jesus that she volunteered all of her resources to, into building this church in Laodicea. Now, one book that I've read on this passage says that if you were hosting a church back then, 2000 years ago, there were a lot of leadership implications um, if in, ho in hosting that church, which meant that Epaphras purposefully partnered with Nympha, this woman, to plant this church of Laodicea. And that's actually mind-blowing. I want you to think about this. The church in Laodicea may not have existed if not for this single woman. And you have to realize women had no value in society back then. Um, she was also a widow, which means that she had no rights in society back then. Nobody thought anything of this woman. But when Epaphras saw that she had come to Christ, you know, he saw probably what God saw in her. You know, Nympha didn't let, any, you know, what society thought about her or what society perceived her worth or usefulness to be. She didn't let any of, the thing, any of, the th any of those things affect her commitment to Christ and the church. She was fully committed to the work of Christ with all that she had. And because of that, the church in Laodicea was born. You know, I think there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be challenges to living fully for Jesus Christ. Maybe it's other people's like opinions of us, or maybe it's other people's perception of us. You know, that guy can never really live fully for Christ. And you know, he has so many other things within his life that he can never give up or whatever it is. Maybe it's overcoming what we think about ourselves. You know, we look around us, we're like, I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, I, you know, and maybe there's resources we don't have or talents we don't have, or maybe there's like a certain status that we feel 
feel like we don't have. I'm not a leader yet, so I can't really fully live for God. Or maybe we look at ourselves and there's things that we feel like we deserve or we have all these insecurities, no matter what it might be. Maybe it's society's expectations. Maybe it's our family's expectations of us. Whatever it is, there are so many things. There's so many challenges that make us hesitate giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. But none of those things stop Nympha or Epaphras from being fully committed to the work of Christ. And because of that, the church was born. And it, because it didn't stop them, it shouldn't stop us either. You know, this might be the last appropriate week to share in a, uh, an illustration about the Olympics, but this is a pretty good one. I saw this video this past week and it absolutely blew me away. There's an Australian high jumper who won the silver medal in the women's high jump in Tokyo. Her name is Nicola McDermott. And, you know, I don't want to misquote her. So I just literally uh, got a transcript of what she told Channel 7. And let me just read you her quote. This is what she says when she's being interviewed right after she wins the silver medal. She says, I think as a teenager, I was always an outcast and I got welcomed into a faith community that loved me. And I just remember encountering God's love and it changed the way I thought of myself. As a misfit, why was I created so tall and stuff? And it gave me passion and purpose to use it. In 2017, that was my big moment when it flicked the switch. And I decided to pursue God over sport. Whatever comes from sport is a bonus. But I am already complete, already perfect, and loved as a person regardless of it. That just allowed me to soar over every high jump bar and not be scared anymore because I am loved. And that is the most important thing. Isn't that beautiful? The moment this woman met Jesus, all of her insecurities about herself, especially as this tall young woman that prevented her from living fully you know, in her life, was not only relieved by the love of Christ, but it was liberated by the love of Christ to then be used powerfully to be a testimony to the world in 2021. You know, when I saw the interview, I, I almost cried when she said, I decided to pursue God over sport. And whatever came after that was a bonus. This is a woman who is using whatever God gave her that she one day she was embarrassed about, but now is... She's using for the glory of God. This woman is using what God gave her for the work of Christ. And she, wanna, she went on in the interview to say that there is nothing that's going to stop her. And I really believe nothing should stop us as well. You know, after everything that we've learned in the book of Colossians, after all that Christ has spoken to us about and declared us to be in him through this book, Christ wants us to live with all that we have, with all that God has given us for his glory and towards his work. So let's not let any obstacle, lockdown or not, personal or not, get in the way of us being fully committed to the work of Christ. You know what the best part of this verse is? The best part of this verse is that we're reading about this woman, Nympha, 2,000 years later. I mean, back then, I bet she was just a widow and she, she just was in love. And so she just did what she thought would honor Christ the most by giving all of her resources to build this church in Laodicea. But the moment that she did that, God made sure that she would be honored forever. 
I hope this verse encourages you. Two Corinth, or sorry, two Chronicles, sixteen nine says this. It says, "For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him." Isn't that crazy? This verse. It means God is like actively searching for people all over the earth who are fully committed to Him. Why? So that He can strengthen them so that he can use them in ministry, so that he can use them eternally for his work, and so that he can honor them for their full commitment to him. What is that saying? It's saying God sees everything that we do. You know, God sees our hearts. He sees our attitudes. He sees the choices that we make in life when we do those things for him and his glory. When he's when we use the limited resources that we have or that we've been given by him personally for him and his glory, he not only strengthens it and multiplies it, but he honors it and remembers it forever. He honors those who are fully committed to him. So, Let's be fully committed to the work of Christ. Secondly, work till the work is finished. Verse 17 says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have been given, that you have received in the Lord. Now, the thing is, no one really knows what ministry Archippus received from God. But what we do know is that God has called him to a particular ministry and the command is to complete that ministry. Now, the thing is, you know, in all the books that I've read, uh, Archippus wasn't called to like a pastoral ministry, this full-time ministry that we see in the church. So that particular ministry was something that he personally received that he was supposed to do from God. And to me, that's awesome because not only does it make it much more approachable for people like us, but I think it makes it a lot more applicable for people like us as well. I love personally that we don't know the ministry that he was called to because I feel like through this verse, God is saying to us today, hey, whatever ministry you have been called to, whether it's at church, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, maybe it's at school, who knows where it might be, complete it, finish it, give yourself fully to it, do it with all that you have, be faithful to it now, finish it now. You know, some of us in our church and in our ministry, we know exactly what ministry we've been called to. Maybe some of us have been called to Sunday school ministry, you know, at at Full Gospel. Maybe some of you know that your ministry is to reach your non-believing workmates. Whatever it might be, you know what ministry that is. And if you do, maybe some of you are like, hey, Eddie, you know, I get it. We need to be faithful. We need to complete it. But how am I supposed to, you know, complete ministry as a Sunday school teacher when we're not even allowed to teach the kids and I don't even teach the kids, we don't even meet on Sundays. Or how am I supposed to minister to my workmates when all of us are working from home? And let me answer that question by simply giving you a a very simple definition of what I think ministry is. Ministry really is helping people take one step closer to Jesus. You know, we may not know what ministry the archivist was called to. But we do know that whatever ministry he was doing, he was doing to help people take one step closer to Jesus. And the same goes with us. Whatever ministry that you're called to, you may not be able to do it in the exact same way as before. But it doesn't mean that you're to stop. No, we're to complete it. 
But in order to complete it, we may have to find new paths and maybe new methods for helping our people take one step closer to Jesus. And so which brings us back to maybe what we talked about in previous weeks. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit for inroads, for opportunities, for ideas, for creativity, so that you can do your ministry and complete your ministry. The Holy Spirit loves gifting us and answering prayers like that. These challenges that we are currently facing ministry are really opportunities in hiding, aren't they? This lockdown is an opportunity, not only to get closer to God through prayer, but also to impact people in new and possibly even more powerful ways than we even thought when we first started this ministry or when we felt called to this ministry. But if there's one thing that's for sure, it is not a time to stop. We are to work until the work is finished. I know some of you have halted ministry within your life during this lockdown because well, maybe it's because of the external circumstances or maybe because you got so consumed with your own life. If that's you, then let's allow this last command of the book of Colossians to really speak directly to you. Complete the ministry that God has called you to. Work hard and finish it. Invest yourself more deeply into what God has called you to do. Maybe some of you aren't sure about what ministry you are called to. This is a wonderful time, once again, in lockdown, where you can seek after God. You can seek after the Holy Spirit. Ask Him and seek. Hey, God, what are you doing around me? Are there people that you want me to minister to? Are there people that you want me to help take one step closer to Jesus? What can I do? How can I use my gifts, my possessions, my bank account, whatever it might be to help people take that step? And once you figure that out, pray and then start moving. Live fully and work fully for Christ. Let's be found faithful. And no matter, you know, no matter what might be happening within this world to the ministry that God has called each one of us to, and let's work fully until that work is finished. Lastly, pay the price to finish the work. Pay the price to finish the work. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. You know, most of Paul's letters were written by a scribe, meaning that Paul was sitting there in jail, kind of just um, dictating the letters. He was just speaking this letter. And then there was someone outside, you know, writing down exactly what Paul was saying. But when Paul gets to the end of this letter, he literally goes over to his scribe, takes the pen or whatever they use to write these letters, and he grabs it and he starts writing these last three sentences by himself. And the first sentence that he wrote, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, he writes that because he just wants to be personal. He's giving him, he's giving them his heart. The last sentence that he writes, grace be with you, is simply a blessing. He wants the grace of God to be with the Colossian believers. But not only that, but he wants the letter that he's writing, as well as their relationship with him to be a means of grace as well. So, you know, he, from start to end, he just wants to be a personal blessing to the Colossian believers. This is a man giving his heart, not only to the people, but to the work of Christ. But the, but I want to focus on the middle sentence. He asked them to remember his chains. Now, why does he do that? And to answer that question, I want to share uh, a story. 
about one of my best friends. You know, one of my best friends is actually a missionary in Cambodia. And a few years ago, um, I heard that there was a good chance that he was probably going to go to jail for the work that he was doing. So by God's grace, I got the chance to go over there and to spend time with him and his wife. And every night, and we would just spend all day together sharing and talking and praying together. And, you know, we were all worried because no one wants to go to jail in a foreign country. So we were all really worried, to be very honest with you, but that's why we prayed a lot. But after we prayed for like a week, I could notice in his heart that his heart was slowly changing. And this is what I mean. I was having lunch with him after about a week. And then all of a sudden he turns to me and his face almost looked excited. And so I said, okay, what's up? And he's like, Eddie, if I do go to jail, Honestly, I really believe that most of the people that I'll probably meet in jail would have never, ever heard the gospel. And I said, yes, yeah, so? And he said, I would be the first one ever in their lives to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And he was so excited about that. And when I saw his face, that's when I knew that he was a lot closer to Jesus than me, you know. But seeing that excitement made such an impact upon my heart. And that's when I knew that I had to pray so much more for my friend. And so for the next few weeks, even after I came back to Australia, that's all I did. I just kept on praying for him. He eventually went to jail and I just kept on praying for him. But as I prayed for him for weeks, something changed in me. Having a friend in jail who is suffering for the gospel made me take my ministry so much more seriously. You know, if my friend is willing to go to jail for his faith, then what cost am I willing to pay to be faithful to the ministry that God's called me to, right? And I felt like this, not only do I owe it to Jesus to give all that I have for the ministry and for his work because he's totally worth it and he's totally worthy, but I also felt like I owed my friend you know, I owe my I owe it to my friend to give my best too because he's paying the highest price that he knows to serve God. And that's when I realized that gospel work isn't just something that we do for God, but it's also something that we as a church are committed to together. It's something that we were meant to do together. You know, and I think that's something that's lost a little bit in the church today these days. And this is what I mean. You know, if we are serving in a ministry and you see people in the same ministry that you're serving in, you know, working this hard for Jesus Christ, then there has to be something within us that says, well, I need to match that. I need to work just as hard for Jesus because this is our ministry and he's our God. And the ministry that we're doing is our offering and our worship together for him. Do you guys get that? And if my friends and if my churchmates are willing to go to jail and pay such a high cost in order to serve God and to be faithful to the ministry that they've been called to, then why do we hesitate to spend that extra dollar for ministry or to lose another hour of sleep or to call one more person or to do whatever it takes so that that person can take one step closer to Jesus Christ? There are brothers and sisters in this world that are paying the highest price to be faithful to God with their lives, with the lives of their family. And we as their brothers and sisters must be willing, just as willing to give ourselves as fully 
as we work for Jesus Christ. Is that a bit radical? You know, I hope so. I really do. But you guys understand exactly what I'm talking about, right? I think we're missing that type of radicalness, that type of solidarity within the church today. And I think that's why Paul says, remember my chains, right? And what he means by that is simple. He's saying there are people in this world right now that are paying the highest price to follow Jesus. So join us. Give ourselves, let's give ourselves fully. Let's all give ourselves fully to the mission of Jesus Christ because he is worthy of it. He deserves our all. He deserves our everything. And if we're going to be Christians, let's give him our everything in order to work for him. Every man dies, but not every man really lives. As we close this book of Colossians together, let's commit ourselves to working fully for the only work that matters, that truly matters, which is the mission of Christ, the work of Jesus Christ. Be fully committed to the work of Christ. Complete that work. Finish it. Pay whatever price we need to, to complete that work. Let's work fully for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. You know, I don't know about you, but this lockdown and this book of Colossians, this whole Colossians series, has made me think a lot about my mortality. You know, have you guys thought about that? You probably have. I and mean, we hear about you know, so many people dying each and every single day, not only in Australia, but in the world. And the black and white of all that really is this, right? We're all going to die one day. That's the reality. That's a truth. We're all going to die one day. So here's the real question. The, the real question is, what are you really living for in your life? The book of Colossians says that there is only one purpose worthy of our all. And that's the glory of Jesus Christ. We were created to give him glory with all that we have. And if we are saved, then our calling is to bring people in this world one step closer to Jesus Christ. So let's live for him. Let's work for him. Let's center everything in our lives around him and that work. Let's make our lives a true worship to him, not only individually, but collectively and corporately as a church. Let's give all that we have together for his glory. I'm not going to give you any particular challenges. I just want you to pray about your life right now. What is that ministry? What is that work that God is calling you to? I want you to talk to God personally. I want you to give yourself to him personally and commit yourself collectively to the work of Christ in our church as well. And let's live for him with all that we have. I'm going to give you one or two minutes to pray about this. And then I'll close with a prayer and the benediction. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for the ways that you spoke to us throughout this whole Colossians series. We thank you, Father, for revealing Christ so clearly to us that we might know him and see how glorious he truly is. We thank you so much for sharing the gospel with us so that we might know clearly all the price that you paid for us so that we could be loved, so that we could know you. And Father, so that we could live the life that you always redeemed for us, that you always meant for us to have. So Lord, as clearly as you map that out for us, Lord, help us to live out that life and work it for you, for your glory with all that we have. Lord, we know that you are worthy of that. And so often we can get distracted by things in this world, by the challenges that we face every single day. But Lord, help us not to be distracted to the real work, the real eternal work that you've called each one of us to. So Lord, clarify that for us. Give us new inroads and creativity and ideas, God, so that we can help people take steps closer to Jesus Christ. Father, use the lockdown to bring people closer to Jesus Christ, not only through our, the individuals within FLM, but corporately together as a church and a ministry. Use us, God, to bring people closer to you. Father, I pray for every member of our church Comfort them, comfort those who are struggling. Strengthen those gods who feel weak and empower people, Father, to truly do ministry in your name so that, Father, people can know you and come closer to you. We're all weak. We're all struggling. But Lord, help our struggles and our weakness never to be an excuse. But through that, God, shine even more strongly. And Father, shine even more brightly so that people might see your glory through our weakness, your glory through our struggles. And Father, so that people will see you and encounter you and know you through that, not only individually, but through us as a church. Father, strengthen us to truly be the church that you always created us to be so we might live for you, love you, with all that we have so that we can work fully for your glory. Thank you, God, so much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be generous to you. The Lord radiate his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great week, FLM.